three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the Legendcast. My name is Brian Krogsgaard here with Josh Olsewich. Josh, how you doing? Brian, it's been too long. It's good to be back. It's good to be with you. Oh, it's great to dear be with listener, you. Dear listener, dear Brian. Great to be with the people, the listeners of the show. I keep hearing, like, there are times where I'm talking to somebody in a meeting and they're referencing Ledgercast like they have not heard of Weekly Open or Up Only. And I'm like, I think this is the smallest of the shows, but it is the longest running. Um, but it's just me and Josh having a conversation and some people really love it and I love it. This is I would do this with you on Fridays, even if no one was listening. So we're thankful for you, you long-term that, listeners. That is kind of true. It's been... Um... Yeah, long I mean, time. It's been like five it's, years. <laughs> it's yeah, it's been a long time. I stole this from Gary V, who's off the reservation now. But uh, don't create document, you know. So we're just we're documenting a call that we would have, kind of anyway, right? Yeah, there you go. Um, well, we're back again. Both of us have uh, changed elements of our environment, uh, so we've been pretty busy. I don't think we've recorded for two weeks, and we have a short show today, but we are here. And we want to talk about the market. There's pretty much what we talked about last time has been what's gone on. Um, but the but things look kind of recovery-ish. Um, how are you feeling? Yeah, so I guess the question is, is this all ETH MERS related? Is this people thinking macro picture looks better? But also a little skittish on longer term macro? Is it a combination of both? You know, I, I don't know. Is everybody just gone for the summer because it's August? <laughs> I see that narrative too. Summer doldrums, low volume, grind up. What's going to happen in September? Down in Alabama, school's already back. Summer's over. But, you know, global markets aren't based in Alabama despite my best effort. Yeah, things, it's weird because ETH, right? ETH is, uh, you know. It's like a new day over at Eastland. Yeah. It is just yeah. You've got off. that. You've got that lame. I got this uh, dirty coin called Bitcoin on my screen. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely disgusting Bitcoin. Um, you gotta you gotta look at good coin. Oh, mine has the ETH chart as it was a while back. So I'm gonna have to go back to your chart. Something's janked up on my screen share. Um, but yeah, ETH well, if we is. Were, if we rewind the tape, we talked about this inverted head and shoulders. I remember saying words like pretend you're at your grandparents' house skipping rocks on a pond or something. Um, <laughs> Is that what we said? Because nobody thought this could actually move higher at that time. You know, I feel like everybody's super bearish still. And things look bearish in macro. With all these reasons not to go up. Totally made sense to just stall, right? But it happened. We went higher. And here we go. Um, ETH is like basically double off the pico bottom not that many people bought that but there was plenty of time despite I, I have a weekly chart up here of eth looks like it hardly touched it but there was there was plenty of real life time to buy under a thousand dollars um and now we've touched uh 1900 plus i don't know how high we got on eth but that's that, let's go ahead and call that a double that's pretty incredible yeah, and if, if you're new to ta or if you're new to markets and you are unfamiliar with things like psychological levels, you know, 
the beauty of crypto is you get to see it real time super quickly. You get to you get all these lessons just shotgunned at your face. <laughs> it's like people talking all this this stuff. Maybe you're familiar, maybe you're a non-believer, maybe, you know, I don't, it doesn't matter to me what people are, but I'm just saying like, look, there's the evidence right there that that thousand level, it's weird that that was the level, but that was the level, you know, yeah. because of arguably psychological support resistance, BTC, same thing, 20 K. Yeah. Below 20 uh, K must be cheap. Below one K must be cheap. Same thing for two K, which we're going to talk about as far as the levels of resistance. Um, 2K is going to be a big psychological resistance level. It's also the 200-day EMA. It's also the cloud level up there. There's plenty of compliments for, for 2K. A 2K stall, at, at the very least. What I don't like about this post-inverted head and shoulders breakup, post-E to E trigger in the cloud, is we're printing this um, rising wedge situation. Now, historically, these wedges do lead to continuation. Yeah. So people hate so. when I say I'm bearish on chart on uh, patterns like that. Yeah. I, I get or really you mean that you're cool. bullish on chart patterns like that? No, no, no. I trade it as bearish every time. Uh, I'm always, uh, I'm, I see. I'm always wrong usually <laughs> for crypto, but I can't not see that as bearish. Am I crazy? I don't know. People always tell me, how can you be bearish? These always break up. Well, it's grindy upwards consolidation. It can break either way, but yeah, to your point, crypto in the long term has been in a bull market and these types of things have often resolved in continuation of the upside. Crypto is not really in a bull market right now. So I think if you're ever going to have a bias, a bearish bias on a bearish chart pattern, <laughs> then now's a good time in a bear market. Uh, right, but, because the merge trade supersede everything anyway, which is what people are going to argue, right? They're mm. going to say, you were bearish. How could you not buy this? The merge trade is on, you idiot, right? Stuff like that. Um, yeah. Which, yeah, that's a valid point. I understand. I like your I like your view of ETH there. You're, you're pointing at the several chart patterns we've had over the last six months or more. Um, little cloud view, 200-day moving average, I think you're looking at. Yeah. Um, yeah. I... I got this one out on the weekly and put a big yellow box on a large range. And some of our friends have tightened that up a bit, but I'm giving it a lot of leeway. So um, giving permission to Ethereum 1650 to 2100 is kind of all the same to me. Um, but we're like well into that box and could imagine getting rejected on this weekly or next week or something like that pretty easily and retesting lower without making new lows. That's all very possible. Um, at the same time, we went well, down 11 weeks in a row or something, and now we're up five in a row. So it's like from a time series perspective, it's basically a 50% retrace. And it's also that same thing from a, from a price perspective. So now's the, now's kind of no man's land. Yeah, I think it's, if your targets are two, 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 Ooh. if you're on board with my two, 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 two target, might as well be. Then, then it's a little late to, to jump into ETH here, right? Um, based on risk reward. Yeah, because your twenty percent up just as easily has twenty percent down, which makes it uh, not nice when your risk and your reward are exactly the same, unless you have very high confidence. 
Right, exactly. But if you are super convicted that this thing is either going to hit that target or just exceed it on merge shenanigans, uh, quarterly futures, short unwinding, you know, I've seen a, I've seen a bunch of possibilities. I think that's what Arthur would brought up in whatever he was talking about, right? That quarterlies are in backwardation, but the moment that those hedges start to come off, we may see ETH go much higher, right? Mm. I think that's that's the line of thinking that I got. To, are the hedges are the hedges there for like a sell the news potential? So if you're heavily long spot and you're hedged on quarterly futures in the event that the merge doesn't go well, then you're covered, right? Yeah. But if if the merge goes well and those shorts unwind, or if price goes high enough quick enough the shorts the hedges start to unwind right i don't know what these people are what their actual mindset is here but i'm just sort of game theorying this out that is a, a way in which we could you know spike quicker than, than otherwise right a short squeeze is what i'm talking about effectively right you know right um that's interesting the 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 story for bitcoin is significantly different <laughs> Then ETH, you showed a daily chart. I'll go ahead and pull up a weekly chart like I did before. Uh, well, one last thing about ETH, I think it's important oh, yeah, to say. For me, I'm not trading it as though I'm expecting a short squeeze. It's just like that's that's a possibility. Um, but anyway, go ahead. The the thing with Bitcoin is it's been real slow. Like it just it actually looks kind of like a bear flag to me almost. Like been, how, how how dare you? You take that back. Just saying. Just I'm just saying. It looks it just looks weak. It did get above the 200-week moving average, but it didn't really thrust off of that. It's just grinding along. I actually expect that to continue. But if you want to be a moving average maxi, which I like to be sometimes, I do like these trades where you can go from one prominent moving average to another. So like the 200-week to the 20-week, basically a, ba uh, a bounce from recovery of your slow moving average to uh, resistance of your fast moving average. This actually does give you a good risk-reward trade, which is different than what we just talked about on Ethereum. Um, so, see, yeah. that's the best thing you just said. The risk reward profile for a, a long on BTC, assuming ETH doesn't reverse and bring down the entire market with it. Yeah. The, 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 the long setup is better. The conviction is smaller. But from a pure profile perspective, 100% agree. Um, if you expect a rotation trade to be successful or to occur at all, then yes, I, I do like a BTC long based on that setup. At the same time, then you go look at ETH BTC and oh my gosh, it completely retraced the relative dump and is sitting at range multi-year highs-ish, um, almost to 0.08. And this, this thing, does it not look like the 0 0.1 magnet might be back on yeah i mean the charts are, uh it's like chernobyl disaster level as far as <laughs> as far as price structure is concerned like uh can you imagine what's running through certain people's minds who've been liquidated from the market now you know oh uh, man I, I won't name names but uh three euros capital <laughs> uh it's like it's like none of that stuff ever happened you know um it's a new day. Yeah, like their liquidation would not have occurred 
if we just pushed forward a couple months. No, but at the same time, it needed to occur to get to this level, right? Right. This is just part of the market being. Kyle's Kyle's tweet of a couple more liquidations than up only. Didn't Mike know it, was, go, it was his own. Yeah, Mike O'Dowd is an all-time best. It's so insane. Uh, anyway. Um, so yes, yes, the chart. I think the targets are totally reasonable. 0. 0.1, 0.14. Uh, if you fib that out, I think those are the levels anyway. Oh, really? Those are the horizontal levels that you're pointing to. Oh, baby. For those people not listening or listening, not yeah, watching. One, it's the uh, 1.618 and the 2.618 extension, basically. Yeah, people are, even in the comments or in chat are saying, you know, there's no story for BTC right now. And look, I get it, right? This is ETH's prom. This is ETH's big, big moment. It's years the, in the making. The merge. And why are they naming it? In this big moment, they're like, ah, we're going to call this thing Gory. <laughs> like all these names for the merge tests are so terrible. They need some branding help with, with Ethereum. The testnet? Yeah, it's like Gorly or I don't know. Yeah, you're just from Alabama and don't know how to say words. It's fine. That, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Um, um, no, it's fine. It's whatever at this point, right? Um, but yeah, no, I, it's it's hard to be, you know, if you're a BTC maxi and not thinking like markets have cycles that they go through and like, look, I don't like ETH as much as the next BTC maxi, but I know where the trade is at here. And, and it's kind of silly not to, you don't have to participate, but to say like this thing's going to collapse under its own weight or whatever, I, I'm not yeah. so sure about that. I do think if you're, if you're going to play the, hey, Continuation is the name of the game. We're going to get beyond 2222. We're going to go the next step. You can start looking at, in my opinion, 2500 and even 3500 in terms of potential points of resistance for Ethereum. 2500, 2500, 25K is 0.1. Don't know if you know that math. Uh, As an Alabamian, I know that. It's the eights, man. I can't do eights. Math of eights always trips me up. So that one, <laughs> that one would have worked out. But um, but it, what we always tell people is just have a plan, right? Like, you know, if your plan is to jump into a trade at two 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 two, ride it to three five or whatever, then stick yeah. to that. But good question in the chat from someone who uh, YX something, which is called YX. Haven't seen you before. Going to give you a shout out for the chat. How will you guys play the ETH forks? Dump right away. Um, I will dump the ETH forks right away. And depending on how the fork is structured, it may actually be a tailwind for ETH itself, kind of like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash were. The um, the hard part about the forks is the Bitcoin Cash fork had an absolute turbo whale standing for it. And um, Roger Ver. And... I don't know that the ETH proof of work stuff is going to have people with as deep a pockets that are ready to back it and play the whole narrative. Plus the second, the net, the time you play the narrative that everybody already understands, it doesn't work as well. So probably a bounce going into it and then a small dump coming out of it. And then it all fizzles out. Um, and you just treat the fork if you earned it like some yield. So that'd be my uh, personal take. How would you change that? Our exchanges even, Giving you the fork is the first question. Well, don't keep your coins on exchanges in that case. 
that's fair, but that's just one thing to know, uh, you know, for fuel, <laughs> for yeah. the fuel side of things. Are exchanges giving people the opportunity to collect the fork? Or are they just going to liquidate it or just ignore it? And, you know, if it's not traded on their exchange, why would they give people the fork? I guess. I'm I believe reasons. historically they gave like claims, even though they don't support them. But I don't know. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's what they should do. I don't know if like Coinbase has Coinbase come out and said we're going to give you the fork. Yeah, and it's like levels of forks. Coinbase obviously they kind of over promoted Bitcoin Cash, and then maybe BSV or something they offered claims for. I can't remember. I'm making stuff up, but I don't think they ever did like you know Bitcoin Diamond or whatever other garbage forks happen. <laughs> At some point they called it a day. Um, so I think if you want to rely on the ETH fork as getting the value itself, I would do so off exchange. 100% agree. Um, the second question is who who's on the other side buying the ETH forks? Yeah. Like everyone's going to be selling it, I think, right? So who's going to be the buyer in that situation? Maybe I miners that want to promote it and think that there's an opportunity to continue earning from equipment that was... ETH or ETH majority mining. Maybe it's cheaper for them to pump it to get like people excited about it so they can make money off of it longer. I don't know. Like you had said during BTC's contentious hard fork stuff, at least there was some like community, if if not like a few people who were behind Bcash and they at least had a belief that that thing had a future. Whereas here, I'm not so sure that amount of people believe that ETH Pow has a future. So, yeah. I also, that's a terrible name, just as a aside. Is so it I guess be the question ETH Pal? Well, who's going to get it? Where are they going to sell it? Who's going to buy it? And if exchanges like trickle out this stuff to people, by the time you actually get it, if you don't have personal custody of the fork, the probability that you're going to be able to sell it at any decent level is probably very low. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one other element. Another counter argument against ETHPAL that's, I think, pretty good is there's already proof of work Ethereum and Ethereum Classic. And Ethereum Classic's performed very well. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that. But I I think if people want to, to chase proof of work Ethereum or they have fears or if the merge doesn't go well or whatever, ETH Classic is a cleaner play. Um, for some reason, I can't find it. Well, the quickest way to sell your coins and not worry about the network would be to put it on an exchange that is guaranteeing you the forked coins. Um, because yeah. ideally that way it's already there and you don't have to deal with whatever the miners are going to do to the chain. <laughs> like who knows what ETH file is, you know, it's the wild, wild west at that point, as far as expecting yeah. the same sort of activity on the chain uh, from a transaction perspective, who knows? So. ETH, or ETC ETH is an incredible chart. <laughs> uh, I mean, basically back to multi-year levels, it looks like nothing, but at the same time, it's doubled relative to ETH while ETH is doubled. So it's 4X'd relative to the dollar. So been a pretty good, great play. Yeah, don't, I don't know who's buying ETC, I guess. Hasaka. <laughs> Speculators. Hey. Only speculators are buying UTC. Well, that's what I was going to And Barry. Say. I, uh, I don't know. You know, you put it head-to-head -head against 
any other layer one it makes no sense you look at the community the developers I, I don't know i just don't see it but for me the fundamental value just isn't there other than like a hedge against whatever or speculation sturkey in the chat said to cred and others are also trying to get their mining profitability up existing eth miners so i don't know yeah that game's just not for me but yeah, I, I just good don't on care. You, good on anybody who's played that. If it so. pumps Ethereum, that's great. I don't like playing this. The the highly derivative game is not as exciting for me. Um, well, I did like your narrative piece about um, people selling ETH Pow and pumping ETH higher. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if ETH Pow is going to have enough value to even do that, but it's you know it gives people more money to, to buy ETH with. So, I don't hate that idea. It's certainly a possibility. I just think it's going to be worth like cents on the cent, you know, just just absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit of news to talk about. The Tornado Cash previously anonymous developer was arrested and then revealed by Banteg and The Block um, to be someone who I believe was an auditor of some sort in their docs version of themselves and um yeah they got arrested for supposedly something to do with uh money laundering but concerning from a privacy perspective and not surprising in some other ways but do you think there's implications in the market due to this tornado cash arrest well the market didn't seem to care right it actually no, the... cared it cared a lot for ren and um Monero uh, doesn't care so much, but some of the other like pseudo mixers mm. saw a lot more activity either by volume or price. So the market did see uh, people rotating into that stuff. Um, it poses a massive problem for DeFi just like thinking this out. If if OpenSea is you know denying users based on past history when things weren't quote unquote illegal, you know, or sanctioned. Yeah, that's just like just a whole another can of worms. OpenSea, DYDX, just two to name. Uh, DYDX, I think, came back and said they were mistaken on what they did. But oh, really? Yeah, didn't they say they reversed? I think they said going forward they're gonna start start to segregate funds. But I thought they were closing positions based on people using Tornado Cash in the past, and then they. I don't know. The whole thing's a mess because yeah. if you remove the fungibility aspect of this and like you're you're trying to KYC stuff, you're making like permissioned pools and it's just I saw know. somebody very quickly when Tornado Cash news started coming out, they uh they started sending small amounts of ETH to a bunch of like doxxed and celebrity addresses. <laughs> um just to see if it would what kind of chaos they could create, I guess. I just feel like the whole thing's a massive can of worms. It's a massive can of worms. It's going to fracture DeFi in ways that people have predicted for years in that we're just going to have KYC DeFi. We're going to have DeFi like we have centralized exchanges where there's like this, this international universe and there's this USA universe. And <laughs> they're not going to co-mingle. They're going to be completely separate. That's just how it's going to be. Yeah, you know, maybe it'll even be more restrictive than that. Maybe, you know, I, I don't know. But I never yeah. used Tornado Cash, um, but 
Is that under oath or yeah. is, that your, is that your position under oath? It's under oath. I hereby <laughs> swear. Um, however, I don't think there should be anything inherently wrong with just using Tornado Cash for the sake of privacy because a blockchain is very trackable and it's very hard to maintain cash privacy. Cash privacy is not a problem, it's a right. Um, and that is annoying and concern concerning, but it, yeah, so I, well, that's, I, that's I'm the actually- thing. Is privacy a right? Yes. Obviously people not in the governments say yes, it is. We yeah, have cash. And, DNA cuts is getting to my point. Um, it's for sure an attack on privacy. And then in question, open software. Um, and I, I actually do think it's probably an attack on open software as well, whereas historically you could just release software and people have a right to use it. Um, that's like one of the tenets of open source is you know people's right to utilize the code, but the code is not the bad actor. You know, the, the code is just code. And um, it's yeah. It, so DNA cute us continues on. Well, I'm just going to read it. Do we know if the guy who was arrested didn't just actually launder money at some point and is now getting caught? We don't know that that would make it better for <laughs> <laughs> not for him, but for like the reducing it being an attack on code itself, reducing it being an attack on privacy itself. And hopefully they're not like cherry picking and just going after someone because they also don't like tornado cash, but it is simultaneously concerning from a individual privacy perspective. And then um, also we don't know all the details and, and what it'll entail, but. Well, like how lead it is says in chat, there's a war on cash. That's no secret. CBDCs are coming globally. That's no secret. They're trying to KYC every transaction anywhere in the universe of history of earth. That's no secret. Um, that's all coming. So this flies in the face of that tornado cash. Yeah. Um, and all of those things you just said really suck, by the way. Yeah, they're, they're not good things. Um, and this has corollaries to like the Cody Wilson um, uh, yeah. three gun code, right? Um, I'm, I'm going to butcher the, the story, but very similar where code was basically deemed like illicit or illegal. Um, the, th the 3D printing of guns. Right. It creates this Dryzen effect where we're going to see more mixers with more anti-fragility where they're just untouchable, right? Look at look at Pirate Bay. Pirate Bay, similar thing. I think Whirlpool came out and said they're another mixer. Like, come come at us. Come and try, you know? Um, yeah. So these are all lessons people are learning for the future, right? We're, we're seeing what's happening with Tornado Cash. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a big problem. Yeah, for sure. In interesting news, concerning situation overall. Um, well, they're deleting. I, they're deleting the GitHub, the Discord, uh, just like they're. they're uh, what is it called? Not rewriting history, but you know, they're, they're book burning, basically, right? Like, <laughs> what is going on? You know, like they just think, oh, it's if it's gone. It's like if a picture hits the Google Google search and somebody says, take that off Google, like it's gone forever. No, it's it's there forever. What do you mean? That's not how these things work. It just boggles my mind that they thought like, oh, we'll just sanction this and, and it, that, that'll be it, right? That's not exactly it's how like it when is. celebrities delete tweets. <laughs> Oops. Uh, yeah. Yeah, these things are, are never going to go away. Even inverse, today, inverse Bra always has a screenshot. 
<laughs> Tornado Cash is still being used today, right? For the record, yeah. I've never used it either, but... <laughs> is that an oath? I did think about using it for the airdrop, but that was that was a long time ago. Yeah, I don't think there's an, anything wrong with thinking about using it. What's funny is, like, you can accomplish the same thing going to a centralized exchange um, in terms of maintaining your privacy from everyone except the exchange and whoever asks the exchange for information. Um, so I always went that route when I'm like, okay, well, I want to do something on chain. I don't want it to follow me around or whatever. So you can send something to a centralized exchange and then take it out to another address and the blockchain doesn't keep as good a track of where everything was, but the authorities or whatever can still find out what they need to know from those centralized exchanges. Well, here's um, the thing. If people have been you know, keeping up with their history over the years, what people, they would do what you do, but take it a step further and they'd go to exchanges that didn't require KYC AML. And if you've noticed over the years, especially in the US, the availability of those exchanges is basically non-existent now. Whereas historically you could do that on BitMEX or Terabit or wherever, right? Slowly but surely those, those loopholes effectively got closed. Um, so that's not really possible to do anymore. You can't really send it to an exchange and plan to withdraw the entirety of your funds quickly without any sort of KYC, you know? Yeah, yeah, the KYC is necessary. I'm, I'm just saying from a personal privacy to the world perspective, because the blockchain is so public. Yeah, it'll mix your funds, but you're still identifiable to their... Yeah, which their I'm share. personally okay with and I understand, even if I am my, my heart still is on the side of uh, the potential for total privacy should be allowed, you know? Of and, course, like we have cash. It's a thing. I know right. they hate cash because it's not KYC'd, but it exists. We can't pretend it doesn't exist. Why don't we have a digital version of that? Yeah. Ponzi addict brings up that sexes are uh, enough for most of us normal people. Jen Spartan made a case for that as well. Just like the risk reward of using Tornado Cash wasn't very good. Therefore, he didn't. And that was kind of my take as well. Well, that, this goes into the entire conversation about hosted and unhosted wallets, which is like the worst terminology known to mankind. Um, because again, they're trying to KYC every single wallet uh, so that you don't have un-KYC transactions. So, you know, people need to prepare for that coming down the pipe eventually too. If it hasn't already in Europe or wherever, I, I don't know what the, the regulatory stuff looks like over there, but yeah. That's been being talked about very widely. Yeah. Uh, is there any other, other news or what are you expecting for the rest of the whatever <laughs> next week? I mean, there, was, there was the BlackRock stuff with PTC. That's huge. Oh, yeah. Their BlackRock is going to make uh, institutional stuff available. They're using Coinbase for that. Is that correct? They're using Coinbase for Bitcoin specifically so far. Um, we see JP Morgan adding jobs for stuff, Citigroup adding jobs. When I say stuff, I mean crypto related. Uh, funds or managers. We're seeing historic people on the legacy side, like cross over a little bit, a little cross pollination into crypto. It does give it sort of the seal of approval that, okay, guys, maybe after all this stuff, isn't all just wild, wild west, you know, rapists, murderers, that sort of thing. Like maybe it has a legitimate <laughs> use case. Right? Like we laugh yeah. about that, but this is where we were in 2013 or in prior, you know, 
in the Silk Road days, that's what the narrative was. And that's definitely changed and you can't ignore that. But as the narratives change, so too changes the regulation. And that's what we're seeing. Tornado Cash is a great example of that. Yeah. Um, I want to show a couple of quick things from legacy markets. I know you have been tracking this as well. I saw it on your screen ahead of time. Uh, the Dixie rolled out of its parabola doesn't mean it's in a downtrend per se, but has the opportunity to consolidate or uh, what do you call that? Mean revert um, to the downside. Cool down, chill cool out. down, chill, <laughs> stop breaking everything. Um, Dixie to like 101 to 103 would make sense to me as like a, kind of go backfill the green box a little bit, which is a many years range. Um, if you zoom out a bit, I'm totally fine uh, with the technicals of that. It's just like, how does Europe actually, you know, how does that actually happen on a fundamental level? Yeah, I think probably has to be them getting more serious about their tightening their currencies and yeah. the U S deciding like, Hey, we're, on pace to slow things down, but we don't want to, we want to achieve the soft landing. So we're mean reverting back to 50 basis point. You know what I mean? Like something like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And um, if, if Europe and the U S are both hitting 50 uh, basis point hikes every time, I think Europe would catch up because most people probably wouldn't be expecting Europe to outpace. Yeah, no, that's fair. I just, you know, what's the probability of that happening versus Europe just continuing to look like a dumpster fire from a financial perspective? Um, one thing about BTC I'll just add is we had this edge to edge trigger. You know, it might look unexciting, but arguably it was supposed to look un unexciting until now because now you have your finally your, your cloud textbook stuff that I talk about all the time. And uh, your target is somewhere up here. We'll see if it plays out. Targets up there, stop losses, basically twenty-two five, based on key or based on you know horizontals. I guess you could say. Are you calling for thirty-three k? Yeah, I am. Let's go. I'm just you look. I'm just the conduit. Okay, the cloud calls <laughs> levels. I'm a cloud <laughs> cloud conduit. I just read the chart. Okay, I don't I don't make the levels. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so if you know if ETH doesn't roll over, if BNB doesn't roll over, if things slow down in ETH land and people start rotating, right? If ETH BTC gets too out of whack with expectations, you know, that's how I think e uh, BTC finally starts to move a little bit. I like it. Like I said, going to be a short show today. I got another meeting coming up here shortly, so I got a jet. But the cloud conduit says thirty k's on the on the realm of possibilities we'll let that be thanks everybody for being here with us thanks to you josh everybody follow josh at carpe noctum and we'll catch you next time have a good one monuments crumble in the blink of an eye the easy river has just run dry in a house of cars 